0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to 10 to Table 3. This week, we have a very special animation episode featuring Tony Cervone. He is a leader in animation and has worked with Hanna-Barbera, Looney Tunes with Warner Brothers Animation, and you probably know him from such things as Space Jam, the fantastic Mr. Fox, numerous Scooby-Doo episodes, and probably my favorite, the Animaniacs, going back more than 25 years. So sit back and join us this week with director, producer, artist, Tony Cervone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tiny Table 3. We're back again for our three-segment nerd programming. This is Stacks. Uh, we're in with uh, our usual Milo. Yep. Milo always shows up.
1: I'm here all
0: the time. We kind of wish he didn't show up most <laughs> yeah, of the time. We don't but... have a life much, though. So, yeah, he's is always
1: that... here. He's here by default.
0: <laughs> I think he actually, he, he sleeps under the desk here. Uh... I just come in and wake him up and say, Hey, Milo, we're doing a podcast. Get up, man. <laughs> and uh, Jeff is back, our, uh, our resident... What's uh, up, guys?
2: I've been few weeks in a row. I, I skipped a week, but I've been here pretty
0: pretty pretty frequently. Well. Yeah, you you actually you you you're our resident comic uh, expert and in uh, Disney um fan. Yeah. You you've been back quite a bit. We haven't seen you like we didn't see you for like 6 months and all of a sudden you're showing up I every, crept
2: yeah. Out of the shadows. <laughs>
0: I'm back. And uh we actually have a, a we I I am so I, I hope I don't like get like fanboy out here, but we we have a we have a guest tonight and uh and and man, you know, looking at this guy's uh resume it's basically it's it's basically a mapping of my childhood. That sounded a little creepier than it needed to be. Actually,
3: right. I I apologize for any permanent damage.
0: <laughs> you know, we, I could basically blame you for all the problems I had in, in childhood. Uh, we have a, a Tony Cervoni on the uh, on the line, uh, which I'm super super stoked about. And uh, I, I know the rest of the guys kind of looked around at your resume, too. You know, we got you on AMDB and we're just seeing uh, what you had done. Did
1: anything like jump out at you guys immediately that made you go, oh, my God? Um, well, you were you were mentioning and I saw this, too, like uh, Tiny Toons and things like I worked actually at Juke uh, and Media with a guy named Jay Weinman. He also worked on AnimeX and Tiny Toons. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with each other, but uh, that's probably where I grew up most of my childhood was in that area. Um, and also the Tom and Jerry stuff. I,
3: I worked uh, mostly on the Tiny Toons and Animaniacs stuff out of a studio in Chicago. Oh, okay. um, and what we did is, uh, you know, most kind of most animation, traditional animation, even to this day, especially in those days, was uh, was sent to Korea uh, to be animated, and that's mm-hmm. where the production studios were. But um, I worked for a guy named Sean McClanahan who worked for Hanna-Barbera in Australia, even though he was from Chicago. And when no. he moved back to Chicago, he thought, what a, what a great place uh, to have an overseas studio. You know, what better place than suburban Chicago? So I was very lucky to get this kind of production experience in an in a unusual place. But actually, I was an animator on Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. So it was really, really hugely valuable experience for me.
0: I probably I mean, my my experience with Animaniacs is probably different than yours because mine was mostly spent, like, hungover. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, we were pretty hungover
0: of Animaniacs. I got super high watching, my you know, the 12-hour Animaniacs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Animaniacs is one of those shows that was just a terrific, it, really great animated series of the ones that really connect with uh, young audiences, but also... Can be relatable to you know older audiences where you you know you can be a full blown adult and get your own, you have their own set of jokes mm-hmm. that are that are functioning at a level of the of the adults but yet kids can watch the same series and just be you know delighted by it.
3: Well, I think that's what Warner Brothers style animation does the best, you know, and that's if if Warner Brothers could put its claim ownership of anything, it's kind of that that uh, you know adults to kids kind of kind of level of humor, and it starts with the Looney Tunes and it continues. Oh, yeah to the Lego movie, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. For me one of the biggest things I saw was Space Jam. That was like <laughs> yeah, that's that was my, a big deal. That's my childhood right there. I can't I mean,
3: believe that like what is it <laughs> like 25 years later anyone is still talking about it. <laughs> Cuz it was like basically yeah. like a 90 minute long you know, yeah. three dudits short, uh-huh. wound up like hitting a, a, a hitting a gigantic, growing population at a critical time, yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, it, people grew up with that movie and they oh, loved yeah. it, and they still talk about it, and I. I'm very proud of it, but man, we didn't know that was going to happen when we made it. <laughs> I, yeah, was telling,
2: I was telling I was telling Saxon Milo earlier before we started that uh, I, I should have told my mom just to buy it, but I ended up renting Space Jam probably about 50 times from <laughs> Blockbuster, <laughs> just repeatedly that, over who and who over that again. Guy
3: keeping Blockbuster, yeah, going. <laughs> I probably I probably helped
2: fund a couple of expansions back in the 90s, but
3: <laughs> it was obviously like it's a huge point in my life, a huge a huge high point in my career. You know, personally. a a lot of us, a lot of us who grew up, a lot of us Chicagoans kind of wound up working on the movie. And, and I remember that, you know, sometimes people will say like, Oh, the Looney Tunes adored Michael Jordan too much. And they seem Mm. like they're really like (laughs) starstruck by Michael Jordan. It was like, well, where do you think that's coming from? I was, I was, I was Chicago resident for the first three championships. And like, I feel like I'm a pretty, I'm not that moved by celebrity, you know, like, I I like celebrities as much as the next person, but I never got used to being around Michael Jordan, like, Michael Jordan was on a, he's a demigod, he's on a different (laughs) point of existence, so... Oh, if Bug Bunny awesome. reacted that way, I, I might be a little to blame for that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's so cool.
0: Um, and uh, before we jump into our regular segments, do you have anything like uh, that's on the burner now, or something that you're, you know, you're, you're currently, you know, excited about that you're working on?
3: Um, I, I'm working on this uh, Scooby Doo uh, animated feature film, and it's the first. It's the first time Scooby-Doo's ever been in a theatrical... You know, had an animated theatrical feature. You know, oh, there wow. was the live-action animation hybrid movies from 10 years ago okay. or so, but now there's... uh uh, this is all animated. So that's, yeah, cool. it's kind of a, it's a big deal for the, for the dog.
0: Oh, super <laughs> cool. You know, when I was going through your list, I, I, I was looking at the, the Scooby-Doo and uh, kiss. <laughs>
3: yeah, that was enough. That was, I did that right before this. I've already been mo- working on this movie for three years and it doesn't come out for two more years. So oh, wow. mm-hmm. I've never like these features just take forever to make <laughs> yeah. they're, and they're so hard. But uh, but right before that was Scooby Doo and Kiss, and that was that was that was super fun. Years ago, I was developing a TV series with Kiss that we could not get off the ground. But that was a lot like that was 10 years ago or so, but that was kind of my first brush with them. And I kind of, kind of got pulled into their, into that universe a little bit into their orbit. And then, uh, and then when Scooby Doo Kiss came up, I was like, Oh, all right. I know this stuff. (laughs) And they were super great. And I've, I still have good relationship with them. And, uh, That was one of the best experiences of my career. Those guys could be nothing but nothing but cool.
0: That's beyond cool. I mean, that that (laughs) is my that's the nine year old me. You know, just being yeah.
3: And you want to get you want to talk about a guy who could nerd out is uh, Gene Simmons can go toe to toe. On the nerdiest stuff, like a pro. <laughs> you want know, to talk about comic book stuff that span that could go from you know 1962 to today? Wow, that guy knows his shit wow. inside and
0: out. That's awesome. I would never uh, guess that. Uh, I got to pass wow. it on to a friend of mine. I,
3: some, like we would just get going and just go on and on and on and on, like we, like we could not stop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, with that, let's uh, let's nerd out a little bit. Let's uh, let's jump into our uh, the first segment of our three segment. Show. This is Naked Wrestling, our nerd argument for the week. And oh, man, I, man, I love this topic. And there's so many to choose from. This is really rough. Uh, where would you guys go with the the best performance of voice acting for an animated character? Like, I mean, and and please, you know, I, I, no, no cheating, no jumping straight to Mount Blanc. You know, don't. <laughs> yeah, right.
3: I know you I, want right, to. I forgot about <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, take him off the list, because he does about 25 of the greatest voices. I was so. going to say.
1: He does. I mean... Yeah, I figured that was going to be struck from the record, so...
0: and Well, I mean, I, you can even argue that. I mean, even when you say something like, you do you have a favorite cartoon character? Bugs Bunny shows up a lot. I
1: mean, mm-hmm.
0: he just does. He's just a great, iconic character. Anybody want jug- to the throw theirs out first on this one? Like, I, could,
2: I could throw mine out, just because mine is a little bit more personal level when i was i went to college for film and and i went to a couple of sit downs where they brought in business professionals and one of the days they said we're bringing in this guy he does cartoon voices if you want to come on in meet him he'll be here and so i just randomly had a free di- so i i oh yeah sure i'll go and uh guy's name was bill farmer and uh he's the voice of goofy <laughs> And, oh. and pretty much well he, he's not the original <laughs> voice of goofy right, but he, right, right. he took it on in the 90s for the uh goofy movie and a bunch of the animated stuff and he's done he's done a lot more than that he's done you know foghorn leghorn and a bunch of other sylvester and a bunch of other characters too back in the day too but just i i got to talk to him and personally it couldn't be the nicest it couldn't be nicer for me that was just cool to actually meet a guy that <laughs> he's probably one of the few if not the only uh voice actor that i've met in person who you know was able to kind of wow me and bring me make me feel like a kid again so bill farmer for me just hearing him go yup. You know, <laughs> he he taught I me think, how to. I think
3: Bill Farmer was the voice of Sylvester in Space yeah, Jam.
2: Exactly. Yeah, and he yeah. he did a couple of <laughs> the lines for us, and they all went crazy. He actually what what for for me Space Jam and the goof, uh, a Goofy movie were the two probably most movies that I watched as a kid. And basically, he called up a kid, some girl, and. He said, who wants to be Max and I'll be Goofy and we're going to read oh. some pages from the script. <laughs> and that for me was like watching, you know, my childhood in, in live, live action, action form. And it was like the coolest thing, but uh super nice guy. He's com- he comes from a very, um, you know, middle America background. He kind of just got into the business
0: a little later. Why? Um, uh, uh, you know what? I I didn't have this as my childhood, but there is a lot of people that are really drawn to the Goofy movie. It, it, it's
1: because it was um, up it's until hard to explain. Point, I up guess in, from us, that's our generation. I might feel a little, the, bit,
0: little bit too old. Uh, from to,
2: the source, from Bill uh, at the t- at the talk, he talked about how up until that point, Goofy didn't really have a story. He was the bumbling friend. Right. He was the Goofy. I mean, he was the Goofy guy, and he didn't really have that emotional connection with kids by giving him a kid, it, it developed that a little bit more by giving him max. And then by further that the movie basically gets pretty deep a, a couple times where they talk about how he's a single dad and how tough his life is to try to have, you know, try to get his kid through high school yeah. and work in a job. And
3: if, I mean, uh, just speaking as sure. a fan of the goofy movie, I think that's one of the things you're touching on one of the things that, that makes people resonate with it, which is I think it takes itself really seriously. Mm-hmm. Like it's a goofy movie, but yeah. you're right. That shit is deep and it's real <laughs> and it, and, and it makes you, it, it really makes you feel so like yeah. it makes you feel something for the stuff Max is going through and, and goofy's relationship with his kids. Like it is, it's really well done. I mean, yeah. maybe that's one of the reasons it sticks too. It's like, yeah, you believe that stuff.
2: It's a, it's a really, I mean, in the purest form, it's a coming of age, but it's also that father son bonding. That I don't know. I always just loved that movie. It made me cry a couple times. I mean, it's, it's pretty emotional.
3: Yeah, it's a good movie. It is a really good movie.
2: So that's my choice, Bill Farmer.
0: <laughs> that, that's solid. That's a solid. solid choice.
3: Solid choice. <laughs> yep, <Yeah>. Gorsh. <laughs> there you go. He could do that yell too. He could do that. Oh, you know,
1: I know. He didn't falling <laughs> off a cliff. Yell. Uh-huh. But that's my favorite thing. So. Um <laughs> farmer. I, I guess I can go. go. I guess um, I'll I'll do it. I mean, uh, I'm blanking on how to pronounce his last name. Is it Royland or Roland? Justin Roland? Royland? I can't remember. Royland. I think it's Royland. Yeah, Royland. Um. Well, Rick and Morty. So that's my. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. My thing. I think it's very interesting to be able to make two characters and then having to riff with yourself essentially. And then, on top of that, he's the co-creator of the show, so there's that whole thing. But I think what's interesting about Rick and Morty for me is I actually don't like a lot of cartoons that are aimed at adults. I just don't connect with them as much, and I felt like Rick and Morty took it to the whole level of stuff that I like, <laughs> mm-hmm. which was the same thing that drew me to, like, regular show. And regular show was interesting. I didn't pick any of those guys because, actually, they're just talking. <laughs> I learned <laughs> that when I saw them at a panel, that's their voices. Like, this, just their voices. Uh, Mark Hamill is always an honorable mention, but um oh sure yeah. yeah he's in all those shows too um but rick and morty i think it kind of hit a nerve with me where it's like it just kind of goes off the deep end it's like you know what this some of some of the episodes get real deep and then some of the episodes are like yeah we thought of some crazy things and this is what we're doing and <laughs> it's just for me that's kind of the 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 interesting part of it and also that you know it's it's two very different characters and then they've done the like offshoot youtube things where it has nothing to do with the show, but he, they go for hours on just uh, improv and then the the interdimensional cable sh- episodes that they do where it's all improv on there as well, and it's the actors from the show. So um, that was my pick. It's not very complicated or deep for me because I just discovered Rick and Morty like well, it's two relevant, years though. ago. <laughs> I think um, if
2: you're talking about more like a current day, pretty relevant. Yeah. It's a, it's a great show. Rick and, uh, Morty, and Rick I think- Morty's got to be at the top of your, you know. Yeah, and there's no there like are. there's
1: no like signature lines really, I don't think. So I I would say that probably Wabba Dub Dub is probably the only one that comes up more often. But I think in general, like if I mention an episode I can have a conversation with someone if they know what Rick and Morty is. So that for me was my choice.
0: Um God damn.
1: <laughs> uh did,
0: did you want to jump in, Tony? Did you, you did you have one I on mean, deck I for? have a weird perspective on it because I I've been
3: thinking about it and uh I mean, I've been really lucky to work with so many people, you know, like I, I've been, I've worked with a lot of, the, I, I missed out on like, I've never worked with Mel Blank. So stuff. someone like, but I did, I've done a lot of work with Frank Welker. So hmm. that's, you know, he's, he's one of the great, the great voice actors of all time. So, and has done 10 million characters. So <laughs> yeah. um, it's, I'm pretty lucky to have had a lot of experience with with a lot of people. And I have a lot of personal favorites and I'm trying to think of like, you know, I think on, when we did space jam, we pulled Billy West in for bugs, but I was a uh-huh, big yeah. fan of the Stern show. So, I mean, I was just, we were always just happy to have Billy or, you know, we'd be like Billy, do Al Michaels. You know, <laughs> <so>.
2: <laughs> Billy was almost my choice actually.
3: <laughs> and, and, but, and he's great. And I mean, so there's, so it's hard to do, uh, it's hard for it's hard for anyone to take a, a real established character and make it their own, yeah, um, yeah. and and kind of own it. And I'll, and to be honest, that doesn't happen very often. I, I, the one time I think it or one of the times I think it really happened is when Matt Lillard took on um, Shaggy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah I, I think even though you know those movies, me, yeah. the live action movies, I think the best thing in it to me, always was, was Matt as Shaggy. I went, oh, I, I believe that guy's Shaggy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think if you put him against Casey Kasem, they don't exactly sound the same. Like, I don't think uh-huh. Matt's exactly imitating Casey Kasem, but it's one of those times where I'm like, I buy both of these people as Shaggy
2: yeah you know?
0: yeah i can agree god damn you tony you stole my choice
3: <laughs> i do and we we were around casey we had we did do some stuff with casey that's and when we cool. got, we made the mystery incorporated show um which was full of great voices um from from stem the stern casey played shaggy's dad and then matt
0: uh, played shaggy so <laughs>
3: that was that was
0: pretty cool that is super super cool so, did you did you fall on one that you that you choose number one?
3: I, I can't. I, there is yeah, no one I could really choose. Tough, to that yeah. yeah, There's no one I could choose as number one just because it's like a flood of people. Yeah,
0: so it's hard. Yeah, I was definitely leaning towards Casey Kasem because again, the, Shaggy is such a a memorable character. I mean, there there's nothing that quite fits. I, the, that well, voice. I
3: spent. I've I, I was very lucky uh, to have spent a lot of time. I, I spent when uh when Warner Brothers bought Turner Mr. Hanna and Mr. Barbera's offices became were a part of Warner Brothers animation when Mr. Hanna passed away Spike Brandt and I and Spike and I have made most things I've made I've made with Spike Spike and I moved into Mr. Hanna's office which was oh, which wow. was a, a a great thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but we were next door to Mr. Barbera so we Spike especially but both of us became pretty close with Miss with Mr. Barbera and uh and he would have these bir- he would have birthday parties every year, and I I really miss those birthday parties because they were for my own personal childhood. Like you'd go to a birthday party, and Casey Kasem and Gary Owens and oh Janet God. Waldo, who is the voice of Judy Jetson. Uh, you know, uh, they'd all be there oh every God. time. So it was like you you know like I couldn't. My brain would explode every time <laughs> every time <laughs> I was in a room with That's
0: these people. Crazy. Oh God. hell yeah.
3: All of those people are exactly who you think they are. I'm so, like sure. Gary Owens is Gary. It turns out he was Gary Owens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and Casey was Casey. All it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Like it, it was like, oh man, none of this is fake. That that these are <laughs> this is these are the real people.
0: Well, um, I'm going to go ahead and date myself, like I usually do, with uh, my choice. Uh, well, definitely. I mean, again, I had uh, like uh, Don Masek, you know, for the for, for Scooby, just because again, Scooby is just a great, yeah. great voice. This is bizarre because we're going to talk about music and animation later on, but there was a. This, I mean, I only watch these in reruns. Obviously, I'm not that old, but um, there was a, a, a an animated Beatles series. Uh,
1: I've seen, yeah, I've seen from clips. Like, like
0: 1965, and the the funny yeah. thing about it is that they had voice actors doing the voices of the. Um, of the actual Beatles, but like, like the, the guy who played John didn't speak with an English accent. (laughs) Everyone else is like full blown English (laughs) accent, but John was not. And uh, that was voiced by Paul freeze. Uh, who, uh, if you, Oh yeah. Paul freeze, man. That's yeah. Yeah. If you, if you, if you hear his voice, you, you will recognize it across so many different series. And, and I, I I remember him primarily through his, his work with Rankin and Bass.
3: Yeah, and also, uh, the, uh, Jay Ward, you know, I think he did, didn't he do a lot of stuff with, uh, with the Jay Ward studio, the mm-hmm. Rocky
0: and Bullwinkle and Sherman and Peabody and all that Exactly, stuff. yep, yep, that's exactly it. But, I mean, like, his work in things like, like, uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Frosty the Snowman, mm-hmm. um, and, I know uh,
3: those, those things personally for me, too, the, the Rankin-Bass Christmas special. Oh, Yeah. Are so like burned in. It. They're like part of my DNA. You
1: know, like <laughs> we still watch them. Oh
3: I mean, yeah, yeah I I watch year. them. It's a tradition. That one person I only met once, but it, another person who really blew my mind was Thurl Ra- Ravenscroft. Oh, that would be because I'm cool. like, <laughs> you know, I couldn't I could, the, the Grinch song and Tony uh-huh. the tiger yeah. and the, yeah. you know, and the Grim Grinning Ghost. It's
0: mm-hmm. like, oh yeah.
3: I'm, I just you know that's not.
2: funny, I, not, I
3: just totally nerded out.
2: <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Tony. I I work at Disneyland, so that's a that's a trivia question I like to throw in there. Whose voice are you listening to, <laughs> <laughs> Thurl Ravenscroft? And, and everybody looks at me like, what? <laughs> all these young, all these young kids. But
3: I I, I met Walter Winchell once. Uh, you know, he was uh, Dick Dastardly and and Tigger, and uh, he, he did a bump, and he was also, but in the forties, he was a ventriloquist with. uh his dummy's name was Jerry Mahoney. He was kind of you know like a uh, he had a ventriloquist act, um, and he also was one of the inventors of the iron lung. So he was a really fascinating oh, wow. guy too. <laughs> just like Dick Dastardly invented the iron lung. <laughs> How
0: cool is that?
2: <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome.
3: But
0: I mean, yeah, I would have in the uh, and also the um, the nineteen seventy seven, uh, which I still think is the uh, the definitive version of the Hobbit, which is the Rankin and Bass Hobbit. Yeah,
3: the, what was it? Was that what was his name? Bean, something Bean, right? Wasn't he the voice of the Hobbit?
0: I I, I think so. Uh, that. Orton
3: Bean, I think that
1: was his name. Is that the live yeah, animation with the dialogue? Break the dishes,
3: smash the plates. That's what Bilbo Baggins
0: said. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Yeah, so that's what the that's one I'm going with. Hey, so do, yeah. we have, do we have a winner for this um, this round of... <laughs> They're uh... all pretty good. They're all pretty great, <laughs> man. <laughs> man, um,
2: I've got to give it to Tony just... <laughs> yeah, That's, he's got the I,
0: best stories. How can I beat that? <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding! The wins this round of naked wrestling. <laughs> I got easy, no personal connection. He had a element. personal connection. Yeah. And everything. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's take a look at what was going on this week. I, I'm, I mean, I just want to touch on a couple of things um, in the world of animation. the uh, The Teen Titans Go go to the movies. Actually, uh, the uh, the theatrical release of the Teen Titans Go film came out. Really good uh, critical reviews. And the film itself, I was I was very impressed with it. Um, I know that uh, the show itself has it pokes a lot of fun at the the comic book genre in general, and it gets a little bit of heat from the comic book purists for for not being you know the serious Teen Titans, and, and primarily because I, I the Cartoon Network's version of Teen Titans was it like two thousand three. It was the early. It 2000s, changes a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: This is the second iteration of of Teen Titans. Teen Titans they've...
1: is very aware of itself, though. As an as oh, yeah. a show, yeah, like it's not trying to be, you know, it's not nineteen nineties Batman or Superman where it's a comic book retelling, essentially. Yeah, yeah. are you but talking
0: it, about the 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 older version, the, the Cartoon Network two thousand three? No, 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 or, no, no. The, the um, Teen Titans Go.
1: I'm just talking about like Teen Titans Go versus when I grew up. It was the Superman Batman Power Hour, and it would just be animations of, and we had Justice League also, but those were actual shows of like comic book animate, whereas Teen Titans Go is more like they're aware of who they are as comic book people. Yeah, yeah. And then they make fun of Like, I think this movie is about them getting teased at their children because they don't have a movie to secure their legitimacy and Batman <laughs> makes fun of them or something. Right, yeah. I so haven't they, seen they, the they, movie, they're... so I didn't spoil it for myself, but apparently... Oh, that's you, got, you should see the movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's really good. It's like they're going to see Batman again, which is a yeah. great name for a Batman film. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: there's
3: there's a there's... I don't want to hit too many spoilers but there's uh you know that's it's Robin Robin wants feels like he's really due for a movie because there's been so many <laughs> Batman movies. Um, so Robin feels like he's due and it's his time. And then they're making movies about every other aspect of Batman's life except Robin, and it's really <laughs> it's really hurting
0: him. <laughs> I love that. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I would definitely recommend it. But again, it, it does, I think, especially even if you're... Well, I mean, if you are a comic book fan, there's a lot to in particular DC, but there's a lot to spot out of it that they, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can pick out of it that you would, you would know and understand where they're pulling their jokes from.
3: Yeah. I think that as a, as a comic book fan, it's a great movie. And and as a DC fan, it's a great movie. And if it, and as a DC fan who might not be super happy with DC movies, it's a great movie. <laughs> um. So I, I've, and, and those guys, I, they're all very talented. The, the, the everyone who the the writers and producers and directors of that movie they know their stuff inside and out and uh, they're they do get a lot uh, they do get a little heat from the the fans of the original show but it's not like they don't know their stuff either you know like they know what they're doing so
0: yeah of course and they're they're so different I mean they're they're completely different iterations of these characters so you know anybody that's worried about I mean, come on, give me a break. I mean, there, there, there shouldn't be any type of confusion between Teen Titans Go and Teen Titans. Yeah, you know, there's
3: we'll, a cool, there is a cool little thing after the movie, though. There, there I, is the yeah. the
0: credit thing is really <laughs> terrific. I, 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 yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but it's yeah, hang out. Yeah, it, it's it's great. It's really great. Uh, and now I have a really quick um uh, bad review for voice acting. Just uh, has anybody read any of the Star Wars books by chance? <laughs> I, I, None of the newer ones. now. it's no. Uh, the Throne um, by Timothy Zahn was a was a hit and it's a, it's a really fantastic book and just um, they released this when we were at Comic Con uh, a couple weeks ago the uh, Throne Alliances came out and it's uh, I I usually don't do this but I have a pretty large commute to work these days and I picked up the audio um, of this book and uh, I you know again I'm, I'm I love podcasts but I thought I'd give it a shot and man. This this guy, you know, I, I mean, I and I don't want to just trash on somebody. It's it's narrated by a guy, Mark Thompson, and I want to acknowledge his ability to change from voice to voice. But now here's my problem. <laughs> um, he's and, and here's my and you guys may agree with me on this one. I'm I'm not kidding. He is he, unfortunately his voice of Anakin Skywalker is the is the one it's the Christian Hay, um Hayden Christensen. Yeah, Hayden Christensen's version. Um uh, that's the one he's chosen for some reason.
1: Interesting. Uh and, and he's amplified it about times 10. See, I'm a fan of the Clone Wars Anakin, so I
0: know I am too and that's the one I wish he really kind of harnessed. Um I think it's a much better uh version of Anakin. And the other thing is, is that every character that he voices, and I think maybe it's because he's approaching the audiobook reading as almost like a, a an animated series, so he's he's almost shooting for a, a younger audience. But the um, the characters, the way he voices them. I I don't know I maybe I probably would have better, been better off reading the book because I I know that sometimes you you've created an image in your head of how these characters sound and when you um you give it up to a voice actor then they don't hit the mark it kind of messes up the the book for you the book I I think is pretty solid uh, for what it is I mean it's not it's a Star Wars book you know so I'm not expecting it to be a, a literary masterpiece uh and it's geared towards a younger audience but man I I I'd, I have to give a thumbs down review for the the voice acting in that one <laughs> and, and, it, and it's and again it may just be me it may just be the aesthetic choice um, that Thompson chose to chose to take with it and I guess if I had a say a uh, an 11 year old son that was going to listen to it I'd probably be telling my adult self to shut the fuck up you know <laughs> This is perfect for him. It's not for you.
1: You know, you touch on an interesting <laughs> aspect of voice acting where you said that you build this character up in your mind mm-hmm. and you hear it a certain way and then you don't hear it that way and it's dissatisfying. Because I have that problem with when Mark Hamill did the Joker in the 90s series. I've never been satisfied with the Joker since then. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and that's just because... Like Heath Ledger was great, but I'm still like, I should have laughed more. Like that. that's weird stuff like that that kind of touches on... And then like Jared Leto, I didn't like. i didn't like him at all no but then when i play the batman video games i'm all like that's bruce wayne and that's the joker (laughs) and no one else (laughs) Mm -hmm. can be them and that's always gonna be yeah that's always gonna be the main thing the same thing with harley quinn and i you know i have my bones to pick with harley quinn sometimes where they make her to this or that i think they hit it perfect in the in the uh in the series and and that's kind of an interesting aspect to like the way something sounds is a big impact on the way you feel a character should be
0: Yeah, and I don't I don't mean to take anything away from Mark Thompson's performance and his talent it's and maybe the the struggle is is that you're already dealing in this and as I think uh, Tony mentioned earlier when you have to take on characters that are already have a past you know um, that w- gives an extra layer of challenge for the people that have to voice those characters because there's an expectation already built into what they should sound like and there's my two cents <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just complaining. Uh okay, so let's jump onto our our last segment here guys. And uh this one I I really really am excited about because I I the the connection between animation and music is is, is a strong oh one. I've always loved I mean everything from looking at gosh, like like the earliest like tool like uh video um like sober to like yellow submarine from the Beatles. Uh I I I love animation and music.
3: do do you know that you brought up the beatles cartoon earlier the do you know it's the same animators and the same people who made yellow submarine who made that beatles cartoon is it really yeah
2: that's cool they got the word
3: that they were going to make you know they're all working on the tv series which was very much one thing and then they got a call saying that they did want to that they wanted to make an animated feature but they wanted it to be really psychedelic and In a very short period of time, it was mostly that same crew who rolled off of the television series and then did Yellow Submarine, which is a wildly different style. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, what really shocked me because I watched that series as a kid in the 80s, you know, on reruns. And I think I always assumed as a kid that they were produced somewhere like in the maybe the late 70s or something. And that's what I was watching. And then when I went back and I realized that they were actually done. In 1965 to like 1967, I um, mean they continued in in run after that, but I, they were they were being produced while the Beatles were at the height of their their fame. I, that that really shocked me. So it that that you say that they had, It was the same people moving on and doing Yellow Submarine It's so like wow.
3: It may I don't think it's Paul Frees as John, but I think it right, made right. some of the same voices from because it's not the Beatles' voices in no. Yellow Submarine. It's uh, that except for that little live action clip, you know, I've got a right. hole in my pocket at the end of the movie. The Beatles had almost had nothing to do with Yellow Submarine.
0: I, I remember, I can't remember where I had heard this, but um, I think the Beatles initially weren't very hap- or stoked on doing Yellow Submarine until it, like actually, they actually saw it. and were like, oh my God, yeah. this is actually yeah, really sick. I
3: read that too, that they were like, whatever. And then they saw the, and then they saw the finished project, product and actually liked it.
0: And that one had a huge impression on me. That, that's not my choice, though, for a favorite. I got, I've, I've got one on deck. <laughs> that is one of that. the
2: most iconic, I would say.
0: Yeah, Minnie um, Mouse jump in for a favorite uh, integration of music and uh, animation.
1: See, this is kind of a tough one because I don't know how much it really was. Yeah, this is a tough one because I grew up. Okay, so my brothers—I have two step brothers—they're in their 40s and 50s. So I grew up with a lot of weird animation that probably a lot of kids my age don't know, like wizards and oh, heavy metal. No. Yeah, And those are just animations that, I mean, I think Heavy Metal's on its 37th anniversary this Dude, year. Dude, if you pick like Heavy
0: Metal, I'm going to kill you. It's not that one. Okay, keep going. Because
1: Heavy Metal freaked me out when I was a little kid, <laughs> and it traumatized me. I shouldn't have been watching it when I was a little kid. This is just terrible parenting, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the The animation that I would pick that would go with uh, music, and only, it's kind of a cop-out because it's a music video, but I would say the gorillas kind of took oh, yeah. animation, and that's what they're known for. So I feel like that's kind of my pick is something that's really iconic and successful in itself. Because I I follow bands like Velvet Revolver and and Slash on his own, and he does a lot of animated stuff too. But it never really hit. Like I think growing up, I think the Clint Eastwood music video was a very iconic MTV thing when MTV still played music videos. And, and so all that
3: Jamie Hewlett stuff is just so well drawn, so well designed. It's just such great stuff.
1: Yeah. And so I I think I was I, I was kind of looking at that stuff as 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 my pick and kind of the main thing that had a big impact on me in terms of music related to animation. The first uh I think a lot of the the slash and like Velvet Revolver stuff was done by the same animator. I'm not sure. I do not have it in front of me right now. But they have a lot of interesting weird like they had a lot of skulls and trains and I would say similar to the heavy metal style of animation, so that was also pretty interesting. I've got a couple abstract, more
2: you know, abstract animation choices. White Stripes fell in love with a girl. It was all in oh yeah Legos. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember that one. I do. Mm-hmm. To me, that was I think I don't know. Nowadays, you see everything Legos, <laughs> <laughs> but back then, it was kind of taking on a different uh, connotation. So for me, that was that was kind of a standout music video for me. And then um, Dire Straits. I want yeah that's MTV, computer the, the computer animation yeah oh, yeah forgot about that. <laughs> i mean that. that was like way the beginning stages of computer <laughs> computer animation and and watching it now you know it looks like such a different <laughs> style but uh back then i can only imagine when it came out Ahead so of it's time like yeah
3: a, the aha video that you know, with the, uh, uh-huh. yeah. that was another one
2: that I thought of too.
3: People, people are still pulling. am still kind of making fun of that. Yeah. So.
2: <laughs> totally. Those are my choices. I don't know. They're just kind of abstract out there.
0: Well, um, I, I, I Milo already touched on. I think mine. I mean, obviously, you know, Wicked uh, Wizards is a really good one too. Um, the Ralph Bakshi stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I have weird animation influences. Um, no, I guess they're not weird, but. I mean I really loved that Bakshi stuff. It was forbidden mm-hmm. when I was growing up, like you know, Fritz the Cat Fritz was cat. rated X. <laughs> yep. So like, you know, that was forbidden fruit as a kid. So like trying to find ways to see Fritz the Cat <laughs> was, was a thing and oh yeah. And I and I even as a little little kid, like I loved those sixties Spider Man cartoons which I watched oh, yeah. in reruns. <laughs> um and those were great. But you know, like the last season or two actually took over that cartoon and he didn't know anything about Spider Man, so they <laughs> just got really, really weird. I don't know if you know which cartoon it's the you know, spins a web any size, mm-hmm. that, that that version of the Spider Man cartoon. The last couple seasons of those they don't follow any Spider-Man stories. They don't have normal Spider-Man villains in them. They go, he like goes to different universes and different dimensions and fights plant monsters and, and weird wizards who live in other realms. <laughs> it, it got super, super freaky. But as a kid, that, I, that really stuck out. And I was like, who did this? How did this happen? So <laughs> I was always kind of attracted to those kind of things. So it is always like the most, the more offbeat stuff, the Bakshi stuff I, I absolutely loved. And I know someone already said heavy metal. And I think I was like, I was, th- I think it was like 13 when that came out. And I saw, I saw heavy metal and Dragon Slayer as a double feature. Like,
0: <laughs> I I, I was age, probably in the same theater, dude. that? I can almost guarantee I was in the same theater. I was probably not much. I was probably about nine or so, but yeah, uh, 1981. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I mean,
3: I was like, that was like, that hit me right between the eyes. That was the perfect age for it. And it was a culmination of everything I loved, you know, that kind of music, those kind of comics, which I was already aware of, those artists that I already loved, all like being on the big screen was a, was a big deal for for my my. You know, form, forming brain.
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, what's funny is, and I'm just uh, again touching on the heavy metal thing that we're, we're designed. You know, when you sent me these podcast uh, things, I was actually watching the South Park episode where they spoof. Well, well, I was saying the, the
0: B seventeen <laughs> <laughs> sequence. Uh, it shows up at South Park from like when he's like s- like snorting the cat pee. <laughs> he's all like I'm back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it's like what, um That's uh, awesome. 'Cause even those guys were influenced by that stuff. Oh, yeah. They'd oh, yeah, they, yeah, they good... bring it up and do all this weird stuff that I mean <laughs> Yeah, heavy metal. I, uh, I mean any,
3: anything that we've worked on over the years where we needed like some mysterious power source or a scary alien object was always just a green glowing ball that was the Lochnar. <laughs> we put the Lochnar in probably ten different things by now, so <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, yeah, heavy metal. Even that that, that soundtrack is just you, you go through that, and it's like Black Sabbath and Devo and Nazareth and Blue Oyster Cult. It's just it's it, uh, yeah, I love that as a kid. And then like um, Journey, Open Arms is in there somewhere. <laughs> that's just a great closure. I for mine, I I I, I picked uh, was it uh, Gerald uh, Scarf that did the. Um,
3: oh the, yeah, that's a great. You guys are good. You guys are thinking of all much better stuff
0: than I was. <laughs> Yeah, the um, the Pink Floyd The Wall, the, those animations had a really big influence on on me, they made a big impression on me as a kid. And it's such a great integration of, like, um, I mean, dark social commentary and, and beautiful animation, really terrific, you know, metaphors at work. It, it, it's just, it's both beautiful and terrifying all at once. And I could still go back. And I think the work that is done there is is, is as relevant today as, you know, you know, back when it was first produced, it's just amazing, amazing animation on that serious note. <laughs>
3: yeah, no, that's no I totally that, is, agree. that is very inspiring stuff.
1: You know, and, and another thing, actually, I'm going back to heavy metal again. But yeah, there's actually winner, right? there's actually a thing at, uh, at Comic-Con. The, one of the artists that worked on it, he always has a booth at Comic-Con. And, and my brother is really big into the movie. He went up to this uh, woman that was working the booth, and she was dressed as like a character of the guy that drew. Apparently, that's his wife. And she's like the model that he based all of his drawings on. That was another interesting thing because he's all like, "Dude, I didn't even know." And she signed all these things for me and things like that. But uh, yeah, apparently that's kind of a little interesting, fun fact that I learned about yeah. that artist is he's just based everything off his wife. So it was.
3: I, I always, you know, like I was saying, like the Backshe stuff that was like Heavy Metal yeah. magazine was another thing too. That like. Uh, you know, like I th- I remember like my mom buying me that at the grocery store or whatever, and I'm like, she shouldn't op- She's not going to open this, you know. Like I, if she if she started paging through this, she would not. No. She just thought it was like you know some expensive comic book. So, but uh, I I always I did I did love and and the other thing about heavy metal too. I think we, we I, I'd be happy to join you guys on a whole show just on heavy metal with. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was a big SCTV fan, oh, me and too. Uh, so the idea that like John Candy and Gene Levy and Joe Flair, uh, all these guys are in are the voices in heavy metal, like, was another thing, another reason to love it.
0: Uh, were they really?
3: Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I got to go back. Then is John Candy.
0: That's yeah. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> well, John Candy yeah. pretty much shows uh, up the, in every. Uh,
3: Stern is Eugene Levy. Oh, oh well, the uh, the. uh uh, I think it, it's not Stern, isn't you The Stern's lawyer is
0: Eugene Levy. Wow. I'm going to, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a few years since I visited, so I'm going to have to go back. Uh,
3: the, uh, uh, Harold Bremus is one of the stoned pilots <laughs> in the So Beautiful, So Deadly. You know, I've learned John so Candy fantastic. shows up
1: in pretty much all my favorite movies because I love Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yeah. And uh, now Heavy Metal. <laughs> Uncle Buck. I saw
3: a uh, T-shirt. You know, like how on Instagram they like give you ads for T-shirts. Well, I actually buy those, so I get ten million ads for T-shirts. <laughs> but one was uh, a Wally World shirt with John uh, Candy on awesome. it that said, "I'm sorry, the park is closed." And I'm like, buy, bye, <laughs> bye
0: oh, now Oh, that's beautiful. Well, okay, guys. So I think we've uh, we we've, we've hit the end of our three segments for Tiny Table Three. And thank you guys so much. Let me uh, just say thanks to you all for listening once again. Don't forget to check us out at tinytable3.com and follow us on our YouTube channel. We've been still getting subscribers even though we've been a little bit lax on producing new videos. And, of course, follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook. And, obviously, you're listening to a podcast. So we are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Hear this if you happen to be in the U.K. or around the world. And anywhere else you get your podcast. Hopefully we'll be on Spotify by sometime next week. We'll see how that goes. And uh, man, Tony, thank you. <laughs>
3: thank well, you, Tony. Thank you guys. This was uh, this was a real treat. This was really fun stuff. Did if you
1: wanna give out any of your uh, website or anything like that? It's something that
3: I, you know what I don't I've I've like now kicked all social media except Instagram. <laughs> that's <so> a good <laughs> choice. That's a smart <laughs> that's thing to do on Instagram. Yeah, I got a quick
0: confession! Make clear I've been trying to write Yeah, after fail